four months. The plan known as Remain in Mexico has caused frustration for asylum seekers. Only some have been able to find lodging in Mexico, and many languish in shelters waiting for their court dates. In Mexicali, tensions are playing out in real time as migrants say they're becoming targets of abuse. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is Border Dispatch, a special episode of your San Diego News Fix. Gustavo Solis, you're part of the Border Team at the Union-Tribune. What's going on in Mexicali in the shelters? Why don't you explain what are the problems the migrants are having there? I guess first it's important to understand the context of how these shelters operate uh, south side of the border. There are no city, state, or federal shelters. These are all private enterprises. And they operate within a system that has very little oversight and very little funding, virtually no funding from the federal government of Mexico. And that creates... um, an environment where migrants are vulnerable to exploitation. Mm-hmm. So in Mexicali specifically, we noticed several questionable practices by the shelters. For instance, mm-hmm. they will uh, charge migrants money to stay there, which you never really hear of a homeless shelter asking room and board fees. Yeah, uh, They will charge for food whenever they offer it. They will... Uh, there were several reports of donations going missing. So we got one really great example of a nonprofit or a group of volunteers really from the U.S. going to a shelter and bringing uh, rulers and measurements to get everybody's shoe size. Mm-hmm. And they came back a couple weeks later with like 50 boxes of Nike shoes that the operators of the shelter took to storage and who knows what happened to them? Mm. Uh, we know the migrants didn't get them because no one in the shelter had new pair of Nikes on. So th- there are a lot of abuses going on like that in in those shelters. So why is it that these shelters operate without any oversight? Well, I think there's just not enough uh, money or political will to to look into them, right? I mean, the shelters they form these uh, what they call a civil association of the different heads of the shelter and they get together Mm -hmm. and every once in a while they'll have meetings to go over best practices and things like that. But there is so little money in the area that there is um, this thinking that you just have to make do with what you got. So that's why some of these shelters charge money and that's seen as okay, right? We'll charge you money and we're providing you a service, right? If you don't stay with us, you'll be on the street So this is really better than the alternative would be. Mm -hmm. From the perspective of Mexico, what are they doing to try to resolve this problem? Because with the new policy of remain in Mexico, there are a lot of migrants that are along border cities like Tijuana and Mexicali. Right. And and remain in Mexico has really made life difficult for the shelters. Not only are there more migrants, but I think more importantly, they are spending time in the shelters way longer than before. Traditionally, the shelters were uh, waypoints from people either heading north into the U.S. or deportees being deported in Mexico and starting over again. And they would only stay there a couple of weeks or maybe a few months at most. Under Remain in Mexico, asylum seekers are being asked to wait five, six, seven, eight months for an immigration hearing. So they will Mm -hmm. be there long term. And this is a new type of population that the shelters in Mexico have never really had to 
account for. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the Trump administration's kind of wider push to essentially dissuade individuals from coming to the United States. What's the perspective of Mexico when it comes to this kind of uh, change in policy over time? Well, what the Trump administration said and the Mexican uh, government said the same thing was that Mexico would provide these remaining Mexico migrants with some sort of humanitarian aid. We haven't seen that on the ground to date. There has been, like I said, no federal money given to these shelters to care for them. There have been rumors in Mexico of the federal government coming in and opening state-run shelters, but we haven't seen that, at least not in Baja. Uh, so there, there's been a lot of talk, but not a whole lot of action. And, and in the absence of action, you see these cases of, of more exploitation by migrants. Mm-hmm. And it uh, certainly is not an ideal situation there. So with those migrants that are seeking asylum in the U.S., do you sense uh, fatigue? Because this is a much longer period of time of waiting than when they started their journeys they expected. Uh, fatigue is definitely a factor, and it's setting in. Uh, there have been reports of, uh, I think it was in Juarez or one of the Texan border cities, of a busload of remain in Mexico, migrants going back home and just saying, you know, we're not going to wait anymore. We've gone to three, you know, two, three immigration hearings and we're not seeing any process, so we might as well go home. The reason for this policy was, like you said, to disincentivize people from presenting themselves at the border, filing questionable asylum claims, entering the U.S. and not showing up to court. Uh, and, And that's working, right? If people are being forced to wait in Mexico and they don't have a strong asylum case, they're more likely to go back home instead of waiting. But the policy does have the uh, collateral damage of impacting the people with legitimate asylum claims, the people who, for whatever reason, don't have the luxury of going back home because they believe that if they go back home, they their life will be in danger. And that's usually the key for obtaining asylum is, is to prove that you have a credible fear of if you return, you will be killed. Right, right. Uh, to be clear, that's the initial step of the process, right? You present mm-hmm. yourself to the border and you, you say, I have a reasonable fear. You go to the interview. If the asylum interviewer determines that, that it is legitimate, then you stay here because you have the chance later down the road in front of a hearing and an immigration judge to prove that you actually are being persecuted, right? So the, the interview is just the first step of the process. The standard to prove it is relatively low. It's more of a screening interview, and then you prove it in court. Mm-hmm. So as these shelters have been in operation for some time now, as this migrant issue has been ongoing for the past several months, do you see any forces that are kind of creating a sense of change, or do you think things will just remain as they are, at least in the short term? There are some people definitely trying to make a change. Uh, one of the gentlemen I featured heavily in the, that story, uh, Kelly Overton, runs a nonprofit in Mexicali called Border Kindness. And he has been, he's really the only person on the ground there working in Mexicali. He went there last year during the Central Caravan Migrant Crisis, specifically because he thought nobody would pay attention to Mexicali. It's a smaller border town. A lot of the resources go to Tijuana, so he wanted to be there thinking no one else would. And slowly he's been realizing what happens at the shelters. 
and offering an alternative. So, for example, uh, he has helped organize a uh, food kitchen that gives free meals to migrants twice a day that wasn't there before. He's been working with some of the shelter operators to increase conditions or at the very least uh, do best practices. So, for instance, not charging migrants to live in a homeless shelter. Mm -hmm, Certainly. And uh, as you've been covering the border for some time, what lingering questions about this ongoing, slow-moving crisis do you have? Well, I don't know if I have questions. I think just moving forward, there are certain things I'm keeping an eye on, right? There, there are a couple of lawsuits that have been filed, uh, specifically about Remain in Mexico. So we'll see how those bear out. Uh, in the long term, I don't know how many of these shelters will be able to keep going just without that federal funding. Mm-hmm. I've heard from a couple that within a year or two, they might have to close because they don't have enough money to cover the operating costs. Uh, There's also obviously fear of continued persecution in these shelters, right? I mean, the the way it was explained to me is for every person who wants to help migrants, there are a thousand looking to exploit them. Mm -hmm. And you see that at the shelter. There's one in Mexicali. They they don't have enough money to hire staff. So what ends up happening is the migrants who have been there the longest end up running the day-to-day operations in a volunteer basis. Mm -hmm. But what that creates is this environment where migrants are exploiting other migrants, right? If I'm the guy who uh, mops the floor and somebody wants to borrow my mop, I charge, you know, 50 pesos for the mop. And if they Uh don't pay, then there's a problem there. Uh, Or I clean the bathroom so I control who has access to the bathrooms and who doesn't, right? Or I'm the night security guard and sometimes... um, you know, I force myself into women's room at night to, to do inappropriate things. Like, there are so many examples of that going on because mm-hmm. of that type of environment. So I am concerned about the conditions of some of these migrants who are waiting, and I should add, going through the legal process of asking for asylum and waiting for their day in court. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that sometimes gets lost in the conversation is that these individuals have the right to ask for asylum and that part of it has to get processed at some point. Correct. Yeah, everything they're doing is legal. Like they're, they're you know, quote unquote, waiting in line. They're doing it by the book. Um, and unfortunately, the, the this administration, or not unfortunately, I understand why the administration is doing this, right? The administration wants to reduce the numbers of illegitimate claims. Um, and the administration claims those Illegitimate claims are bogging down the immigration system. There are too many cases. There's almost a million case backlog in immigration court. So by reducing those, they will streamline the whole process eventually. Um, So there is a reason to this. But I think what gets lost is the people in the middle who are just sort of uh, facing the brunt negative consequences of that. All right. Gustavo Solis, thank you so much. Thank you. In other border news, a 19-year-old migrant died from heat exposure while trying to cross an imperial county. Border Patrol agents in the El Centro sector found the man unconscious and unresponsive on July 6th near the U.S.-Mexico border structure. He was taken to the El Centro Regional Medical Center where he died on July 20th. Nearly 300 migrants died along the border last fiscal year. 
Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. You can also listen to The Conversation, our Ideas and Opinions podcast. Abby Hamblin interviews newsmakers and experts about stories and issues in the news in San Diego. Look for it on your podcast app or go to uniontrip.com slash the conversation. Until next time.